on WealthTrack, why target date funds warrant your attention. One of the great things about target date funds is that because many of the investors who buy them are hands off, they tend not to trade in volatile markets. And so they're not making mistakes from a behavioral standpoint of selling when the market's down and chasing hot parts of the market. Wyatt Lee, head of T. Rowe Price's Gold Rated Retirement Fund series, runs us through the ins and the outs. Funding provided by ClearBridge Investments, Morgan Le Fay Dreams Foundation, First Eagle Investments, Royce Investment Partners, Matthews Asia, Strategus Asset Management, and Women Investing in Security and Education. Hello and welcome to this edition of WealthTrack. I'm Consuelo Mack. Since launching WealthTrack in 2005, we have covered just about every traditional aspect of investing in personal finance. We tend to only cover investments with long-term track records of 10 years or more. Of course, as you know, we have made a few exceptions, Bitcoin being the most recent example. But one of our biggest omissions over the years has been target date funds. We haven't explored them at all, and it's time. They have $3 trillion in assets. Millions of Americans are enrolled in them, mostly through company 401k plans. They now have a track record, multiple products, plenty of competition, and fees are declining as a result. In an article titled In Praise of Target Date Funds, one of our favorite WealthTrack guests, Morningstar's Director of Personal Finance, Christine Benz, described them as nothing short of the biggest positive development for investors since the index fund. Well, that got my attention. So this week, we are interviewing one of the best target date managers in the business. He is Wyatt Lee, who is head and co-manager of T. Rowe Price's $390 billion target date strategies, the largest manager of active target date products in the U.S. The firm's retirement series was awarded a gold analyst rating from Morningstar, one of only two in the actively managed category for its stellar performance, and high ratings for its process, people, and the parent company. I began the interview by asking Lee to begin with the basics. What is a target date fund? At its basic, a target date fund is a type of balanced funds. So you and your viewers may be really familiar with any number of balanced mutual funds that are in the marketplace, a mix of stocks and bonds, what a target date fund does differently, though, is that instead of keeping a static allocation over the life of the fund, we change our allocation over the time. So the target date funds are really designed for someone to invest in a portfolio based on the year they expect to retire. So you start investing when you're really young. You have a high equity allocation, recognizing that long time horizon. As you approach the retirement date, the equity allocation decreases, recognizes you don't want to take as much volatility risk as you approach retirement. And then the portfolios continue to evolve into retirement. The idea being that you can have one fund that adapts to your circumstances as you change, as opposed to you having to adapt to different funds on your own as your circumstances change. It, it sounds so simple, Wyatt. <laughs> we, we know it's not, but, well, but what is age appropriate? Your point is exactly why we designed them the way we did. What we found is that investors, especially in the retirement space, they aren't experts at investing. So they want to delegate that responsibility to someone who really understands it. 
And so we've simplified it in a way that says, just buy the fund that matches when you expect to retire, and we'll give you that age-appropriate allocation over time. And what that means is it changes, right? For a 25-year-old who's just entering the workforce, she has a long time horizon. She probably doesn't have a lot invested. She wants that compounding of wealth over time. So we want that high equity allocation to give you the growth exposure that you need to let your wealth grow so you can retire the way you ultimately want to. As you get closer though, the risks of volatility become more important and we pay, probably pay more attention to them. So we want to relatively lower it. What you'll see is across target date funds, there are a lot of different flavors in the marketplace. So lots of different products have different allocations as to what age appropriate is at a point in time. From our perspective, it's really based on what you're trying to do, uh, what your end objective is. And so our retirement funds, which were our first product launched, are focused on really helping an investor derive an income stream throughout retirement. So it has a little bit more growth exposure because they need that growth with potentially a long horizon in, in retirement. You need to keep growth in your portfolio over time. We have another series for investors who still want a professionally managed product, but maybe a little more concerned about volatility and are willing to sacrifice some of the growth. And they have a little lower exposure. And what we ultimately try to do is work with all of investors to try to find out their circumstances, what they're trying to achieve, what their risks are, things along the lines of, you know, how concerned are you about preserving your spending power over retirement? And how are you concerned about that risk relative to the fact that over shorter periods you might lose money? So those are called the target funds, right, that you yes. launched in 2013? And, yes. And so th there's been an evolution. Then, then you introduced something called the retirement blend funds yes. uh, in 2021. So what's, what does that do? What's so the, the, difference? the difference about the blend funds is the first two we talked about, our retirement funds and our target funds, are almost all invested in underlying actively managed strategies. Um, one thing to note here as we talk about it, much of our investment audience are defined contribution plans. Right. So corporations who are sponsoring a retirement plan. And many times, some of those plans tend to be more cost conscious. So our blend funds, the retirement blend funds, look in a lot of ways just like the retirement funds, but use more passive building blocks underneath. And that helps us moderate the cost profile a little bit for someone who may you know, value the certainty of a lower cost over a longer period of time relative to the, the uncertainty of being able to generate excess return in an actively managed strategy. So let's go right there. What are the pros and cons of the passive versus actively managed target date funds? Well, well first, let me make kind of maybe a controversial statement in the right. target date fund space. I don't believe there's any such thing as a passive target date fund. Okay. And what I mean by that is passive investing, indexed investing really means you're, you're copying something. If you buy an S&P 500 index fund, you're, just, you're buying all 500 stocks in that. You can't do that in the target date space. I mean, you, you talked about it being a simple investment. That's on the outside. We have to first, when we're building the portfolios, think about what we call the glide path, right? And that's that design I talked about where you move from that higher equity exposure and roll down over time. Right, that's lying something towards that's, retirement. And lying towards, right. exactly. 
you, you really have to think about that's the first decision, and that has to be an active decision. Right? How much I want in stocks and bonds approaching retirement is very active. And then I have to think about once I figure out how much I want in stocks and bonds, what kind of building blocks do I want? How much do I want U.S. stocks versus international? How much in small versus large? All those decisions are active as well. It's really at that bottom layer where we're selecting the underlying funds that that debate between active and passive starts because you can choose to use active building blocks or you can use passive building blocks. I really believe that when you're thinking about those building blocks, there really is a role for active and target date management. First and foremost, we think about active management as being able to generate returns above a benchmark. Right. I think the target date space is the ideal place to do that because you have such a long time horizon. You can let active management work for you. And that excess return you get compounds right to the end investor for her retirement. That, of course, is presupposing that the active managers are delivering an excess return versus passive. And uh, in the vast majority of cases, that, that is not the case. Um, it's you know one of the reasons that uh, Morningstar gave you a gold rating was the, the majority of your funds in the target date funds did outperform their benchmarks. Yes. But, but that, that's uh, the exception, really not the rule as far as the industry is concerned, right? I agree, I agree with that, right? There's yeah. lots of studies that say the, act, the average active manager doesn't outperform. So the discussion shouldn't be just about active versus passive, but it should be about am I selecting a good active manager who I think can outperform over time versus that passive benchmark. I'm really interested in the asset allocation piece of this, which you know, for most individual investors, even a lot of professional investors, it's, it's very difficult to get it right. But one of the things, again, that Morningstar, in giving you the gold uh, analyst rating, mentioned is that, that you've done some research at T. Rowe Price and that all along the glide path, kind of at every point along the glide path, you boosted the equity uh, allocation. And, um, and that that actually you know, has worked out well for you. Why do you tend to be more equity heavy than, uh, than a lot of your competitors are? That tends to be what we're known for in our retirement uh -huh. funds. And it's been that way since inception. I think one thing we recognize in all of our research is that long-term benefit to the growth of equities. Um, and so we want investors to compound returns and one of the great things about target date funds is that because many of the investors who buy them are hands off, they tend not to trade in volatile markets. And so they're not making mistakes from a behavioral standpoint of selling when the market's down and chasing hot parts of the market. And so with that, we believe that over the long term, given that these investments could have a 70-year time horizon, mm -hmm. right? think of a 25-year-old to retirement and then deep into retirement, that long-term benefit of holding stocks and compounding that wealth is going to put them in a better position at the point of retirement. And that's critical. I, I think what we see sometimes is during periods of market volatility, a lot like the one we're in right now, investors overstate the negative impact of short-term losses, right? I mean, since we've started right. the funds, there have been 10, maybe 11, if I'm counting right with the current market we're in, 10 different markets in which 
U.S. stocks are down more than 10%, right? It's going to happen. It's right. just a matter of how you plan for addressing those kind of down markets across the entire life cycle of your investing. And we find that growth-oriented approach puts investors in a better place over the long term. And explain how you do handle like a big you know, market decline. I mean, March of 2020, for instance, what were you doing with the target date funds so in a period like that? It's a great question. Obviously, we've talked about these being a long-term investment. So right. everything we've talked about so far is kind of, how, what's the strategy we want to navigate the long, to the long-term? At the same time, we know we want to try to navigate the short-term. So for example, coming out of March of 2020, equity markets are down pretty significantly. Starting in late March and into early April, we were buying back into equities. Right? So we were adding to our position, recognizing that downturns of that magnitude don't happen that often. And they're, with a long horizon, they're a good buying opportunity. So we actually bought back into March and April. And then when we got to midsummer, recognizing how quickly the markets had come back and how much at that time, how little we knew about the pandemic, we actually started then reducing our exposure. Right? And even now, if you look in the current environment, going back to late summer of last year, we were concerned about the equity markets. So we've been underweight equities for uh, at least the last six months. And then we've even been diversifying within the portfolio too, trying to find which areas of the equity market we liked and which areas of the market we, were, we thought were more difficult to navigate. In the fixed income markets, that led us to areas of higher yielding sectors, areas of shorter duration because we were concerned about the Fed. In the equity markets, tending to favor more cyclical sectors that could benefit from the long-term recovery out of COVID. I think that for us, that's a competitive advantage because if we, as we've done, we found a way to bring kind of the collective intelligence of all our investors around the world into these portfolios that gives us another way to add value and help us be defensive when we think we need to. Let's talk about the fixed income aspect of, of the target date funds, because a lot of people on Wall Street have said that fixed income is a very expensive asset class um, and that it, it should be basically a very small portion of the portfolio. What is your view of fixed income and the role it plays in target date funds? F fixed income is a really important part of everything we do. As, you're, as we get near retirement, it represents close to half of, of our investments. And it, you can think about fixed income in a lot of different ways. One thing it always can provide is a dampener to your volatility of your portfolio. So even though fixed income may be expensive and it may be not yielding a whole lot right now, it's still gonna be a much less volatile asset class than equities are. And so it can provide some ballast to make sure you have the portfolio that acts the way you want it to in different environments. The key though, in my mind, is making sure you have a really diversified fixed income portfolio. And this was some work we did several years ago. We took a full revamp uh, looking at the way we've constructed our portfolio and recognized that if we can put a wider range of strategies together that have different fixed income characteristics, it could help us offset exactly what you're talking about. One thing I think I've always found really interesting when I'm talking to my clients is 
you know, they think of fixed income as this one big homogeneous set of products. Right. But hugely different. So we use everything from short duration U.S. treasuries and short duration inflation protected bonds all the way to emerging market debt. And each of those plays a different role in the portfolio. That complete portfolio of the many different strategies really can help complement our overall equity portfolio to make sure in aggregate we're positioned to where we want to be. Speaking of being well diversified, what about other asset classes? What about commodities? What about real estate? What about private equity? What about gold? Yep. So a lot of those areas are things that we do incorporate. Uh, we, have uh -huh. a we have a strategy that we call real assets, and it consists of real estate, metals, precious metals, and um, other commodity equities. And the purpose of that is to give us some diversification in inflationary environments. It's been a part of the portfolio for probably the last 10 years. And until recently, it's been somewhat of a drag on performance because a lot of those sectors have sure. been lagging the broad equity markets. But it's environments like the last six months where inflation has become such a headline that we want something in there. It's like an insurance policy. So all of these years, I've been paying a little bit for this policy, but then in the environment when you need it, it pays off really, really well. And that's one thing my team and I do a lot. We spend a lot of time trying to find other investments that we can add in relatively small amounts that are gonna have, give us better diversification profiles to help us in different environments. When I think of target date funds, I think, okay, you know, you invest in a target date fund through your 401k, or you start when you're in your 20s or whatever, and then mm -hmm. your target date is when, you know, you <laughs> turn 65, and that's kind of it. Well, that isn't kind of it, number one. Is, is there any time when it's too late to invest in a target date fund? I don't think so. So if you think about it, our target date funds are set up by vintage. Right. And so... For anyone who at a different point in their life cycle wants to delegate the investment responsibility into an age-appropriate, professionally managed portfolio, it could be very appropriate to move into a target date fund. What I find, it, especially working at a company like T. Rowe Price, you know, over time I see more and more of my colleagues who have moved from thinking they can build a portfolio on their own and they compare their performance to the target date funds. And at some point they recognize that they make a lot of traditional mistakes. And by having a professionally managed product that can reallocate at the right times, take the right risks at the right point, take advantage of recent market conditions, they're gonna do better. And then they don't have to worry about it. So let's say you, you've turned 65 already and, uh, and you're in retirement. Um, you know, what target date do you choose <laughs> if you decide yeah. <laughs> that you, you know, you, you know, hope that you live until you're in your 90s and so you've got 30 more years to go? Um, it, it, is that an appropriate thing for somebody to do is to you know, switch their retirement portfolio into kind of a target date fund? It is. And I actually just had a conversation last week with a colleague who was talking about doing just that. Um, she had been in the the T. Rowe Price 401k plan for years, and now she was moving to retirement, and she wanted to move into the 2020 portfolio. 
because that's the age-appropriate portfolio for right here. We also have another version of that too, one that we call 2020 income, and that actually pays out an income stream over time. And so for retirees, that's a really nice opportunity to invest in a target date fund that pays out a monthly dividend so you, you can replace your working income as a way to generate the income you need to live in retirement. What do you think the next stage of, uh, of target date funds is? What's gonna be kind of the next evolution? I think there's a lot of different evolutions. You know, uh -huh. it's, still a, it's still a relatively young category. Right? The right. oldest products are probably only about 25 years old now. And when we first started, they were really simple products, and now they've gotten much more complex in terms of their diversification. I think you can continue to see that diversification profile change, um, but I think the next real step is going to be thinking about how do I move these from just being accumulation vehicles to also being decumulation vehicles. So individuals can stay in them and, and draw that income stream whether it's something simple like a managed payout program or some kind of program coupled with insurance. Like Ultimately, an I think an annuity, a uh -huh. deferred annuity, some kind of wrap, coming up with different ways to take that package that we're all comfortable with and we're comfortable with during accumulation, but deliver income in the way individuals want it in retirement. One thing we definitely find is that as people get older, differences come out much more so. And you see a much more diverse set of preferences in terms of how people want their income over time. And so if we can build different portfolios and different strategies tied to the target date funds that can deliver that income in different ways, it's gonna keep people in these strategies to continue to benefit from them over the long term. I'm really intrigued with the post-retirement management of mm -hmm. the portfolios in the target date funds. What happens when you are in retirement? What is the equity exposure that you're recommending generally then? Again, knowing that retirement can last for 30 years. If, if you look at our retirement funds, which are our largest product, and they're focused on that longevity risk as their primary objective, at retirement, they're at 55% equity, but they continue to roll down to 30% 30 years past the target of retirement date. And that's a big differentiator for us. A lot of target date products hit the retirement date and end up in a static portfolio. We think it makes sense to continue to rebalance over time. That's another one of these behavioral aspects. As individuals age, their risk tolerance tends to lower. And so we believe that if you can deliver an asset allocation strategy that can meet its goals and continue to de-risk over time, behaviorally, that's going to appeal to retirees and again, keep them in the strategy. So in many ways, if you think about it, what we're trying to do across the whole life cycle is build a comprehensive financial plan for an individual. And this de-risking in retirement is just another way to do that. Wyatt, one investment for a long-term diversified portfolio, what should we all own some of in a long-term diversified portfolio? I think we should all think about owning a diversified multi-sector bond fund. When most investors think about holding bonds, they're thinking of investment-grade U.S. bonds. And that's not a very diversified portfolio. 
Now we've done this, as I said, by bringing in a lot of different strategies. That's probably not feasible for most individuals. But if you buy a professionally managed, diversified, multi-sector fund, you can get exposure outside the US. You can get exposure to higher yielding sectors. And then pairing that with what you already have, you come up with that much more diversified portfolio. Wyatt Lee, thank you so much for joining us on Wealth Track for your first appearance. We really appreciate your being here. Thanks for having me. I'd love to come back sometime in the future. At the close of every Wealth Track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is consider a target date fund for a core retirement portfolio. As Morningstar's Christine Benz wrote in her article in praise of target date funds, they take asset allocation and investment selection wholly out of investors' hands, not just at a single point in time, but at least until retirement. They provide an element of inexpensive, quite reasonable investment advice for people who might not otherwise be able to afford it and might otherwise be making kooky choices. And most important of all, they have delivered positive outcomes for investors who own them. Target date funds belong in tax-advantaged accounts like 401ks or IRAs because the taxes on the rebalancing will be punitive. You should only buy one managed by a top-quality, financially strong investment firm with an excellent long-term track record. Expenses matter, but they are not the only consideration and recognize they can be just as valuable after retirement as they are leading up to it. For most of us, automating our pre- and post-retirement investments deliver the best outcomes. Next week, Morningstar's personal finance guru, Christine Benz, joins us with her annual checklist at the top why a reassessment of retirement planning is in order. In this week's extra feature, Wyatt Lee shares how he re-energizes. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thanks for spending time with us. Have a lovely President's Day weekend and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable, and productive one.